0: You are listening to As a Woman, episode 25, Work-Life Balance. In this episode, listen as we talk about how to balance work and life. Does that really make sense? Aren't work and life just your life? Doesn't this really mean how do you have the life that you dream of? Listen as we discuss things that I outsource, things that I do, things that I don't do, and how I manage to have a life that I love. Welcome to As a Woman, the podcast hosted by fertility physician Dr. Natalie Crawford to educate and empower women. Each week, learn about your health, your fertility, and how they relate to your true self. Become a part of the community, fostering collaboration over competition while learning how to authentically find your voice and amplify others as a woman. Hi, friends. So, welcome back to As a Woman. You are currently listening to episode 25 Work Life Balance. Now, to start out, I am having such good work life balance that I am recording the podcast while at the beach with my family because sometimes that is just how you get things done. Now, I'm not missing fun beach time. The kids just got up bright and early as the sun rose. I have coffee. They are coloring and eating breakfast, all is good. But the truth here is point number one, there's no such thing as work-life balance. I titled the episode this because this is what we always talk about. How do you balance your work and your life, blah, blah, blah. No, guys, this is your life. And that's my hugest point, and I'm gonna come back to it over and over again. For so long, we feel like we have to separate our personal and our professional lives, that they are two different entities that do not overlap. And I just don't believe that is realistic, nor do I believe that that contributes to happiness. So the first thing you need to realize is that you must integrate your life. You must be the same version of you in all of the different scenarios. That doesn't mean you don't pull out different traits in different environments, but it means your core values must be the same. You must bring part of that personal life, whether it is mom life, dog mom life, wife life, love of yoga, plant eater, loving the color pink, whatever, whatever the things are that make you, you, the person, they need to be integrated into you the worker. And this is really true no matter what job you have. You only have one life. So the first thing you've got to do is start understanding what makes you tick, what is important to you, and how do you make sure that you set up a life that accomplishes those things. And did you hear me? You set up a life. This is in your control. Too often we Pass through life, going through circumstances, just accepting what is around us as if we have no control over what happens or no control over what comes next. And that is just not true. You are in control, but you have to choose to do so. Things will not happen without goal setting, planning, execution, and action. But that doesn't mean that you are not in control. You are constantly making choices, choices that are either integrating who you are into your work, choices that are setting up what you give your time to, who you give your time to, and what your priorities are. And if the things you are giving your time to are not the things that are your top priority, leave, change, quit, do something. You have all the power. The expectation or the societal pressure That we, specifically as women, place on ourselves to fit into this bubble, to please everyone, to never rock the boat or cause conflict, and to settle is outrageous. Stop settling. Maybe I should rename the episode right now, Girl, Stop Settling, because really I feel like that is the root of our problem when it comes to work-life balance. This is what I'm settling for, even though it's not really my priority or something that's important to me, and therefore I'm not happy, but I'm just going to keep on trucking. What does that do? It leads to depression, unhappiness, burnout. You will make choices that are not in line with who you really are to try to adjust to the environment. It is not healthy for you. Okay, so listen to this. You must pick a career that you love. Now, you don't have to have a career. I don't care at all. I have a career. I love my career. It makes me a more multidimensional person and brings me so much personal satisfaction. But that's the catch. That's me. It's kind of a selfish reason. I mean, it makes me happy and makes me better. Therefore, I have a career. But you could be listening to this and be a stay-at-home mom. Or maybe you don't want to have a big career. Or maybe your career looks super different than mine. I don't care. I certainly do not want everyone listening to say, oh man, crap, I need to go be a doctor because Nat is really happy with that job. I love being a physician. I have not always been happy with my job. So let's just touch on that. I know I've talked about it in previous episodes. But I think it's important if you're catching this one without the others to know where I'm coming from. I always wanted to be a doctor. That was ingrained in me from a very young age. My grandfather was a psychiatrist, and he loved the autonomy. He loved caring for patients, and he had so much personal satisfaction from his line of work. And he always said, when do you selfishly get to take care of people, yet have it satisfy your own needs at the same time? And that is what medicine was for me. I loved the science behind it, always fascinated by the body going to be a doctor. Every choice I made through undergrad was all to the doctor goal. I didn't know what kind of doctor I was going to be. I matched into emergency medicine for many different reasons. Some of them being I didn't have great mentorship. I loved clinical medicine. I liked being on the front lines and taking care of people. I wanted good work-life balance. So I chose it. And did you hear that last reason? I wanted good work-life balance. Everybody peripheral who maybe knew me a little or not super well was saying, oh, Nat, if you wanna be a mom, then you need to have a job that's gonna let you be a mom. You can't work these crazy doctor hours. You can't be an OBGYN and be a mom. You need to have more time for your work-life balance. And here I am, however old we are in medical school, like 23, 24, listening, thinking, oh my gosh, these people are so right. I want to be a mom. I need to have a job that will let me be a mom. And ER has shift work. And you can leave your work at the door and go home and you're not on call or following up with patients. Yep. Okay. That really sounds good, right? It sounded nice to me too. However, When I matched into ER, those of you who know me or who are listening to this, spoiler, I'm not an ER physician. I am not in emergency medicine. I'm a fertility doctor. So that was not at all right for me. I chose something wrong for me based on everybody else and all of their opinions on my life and on my own fears. I settled for a job that was not appropriate And a career path that wasn't in line with who I really am and what's really important to me in order to try to have a better work-life balance. And after a lot of talking to the people who really are close to me, deep introspection, goal setting, journaling, understanding why I went into medicine in the first place, I clearly saw EM was wrong and I switched and OBGYN was the field that I chose And the chatter there was real, real loud, like, girl, your work-life balance is going to suck. OBGYN is so hard. It is a residency full of mean girls. What are you doing? Why are you going to repeat an intern year? Why are you going to go through longer training only to have 24-hour calls or be on phone call all the time or have your patients be so needy, et cetera, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. The point was, that didn't matter. At some point, I realized one of the truest things and the biggest piece of advice I give to one of the top questions that I get on my social platforms, and that is, help me pick a career or a specialty. Or more accurately, I wanna do X, Y, Z, but I am afraid of the work-life balance. That's really it. I get questions about work-life balance, I get asked if fields are too hard or too difficult or going to set us up for failure. And this is what I always say you are setting yourself up for failure if you don't pick something that you love medicine, a career, any job, any job on earth. When you have a baby, if you want to have a baby, and you leave that baby to go to the hospital, to go to the office, to get in the car to ride on the subway, and you leave your baby in the care of somebody else. If you don't love what you do, if it doesn't spark a fire inside your soul, you're set for failure, guys. It's never going to be worth it. You must love the meat of it, the content. And it doesn't have to be medicine or a certain field. It could be law or teaching or anything. It needs to spark you. This needs to be the thing that makes you feel more like you. And did you hear that? It makes you feel more like you. That's really the goal. For most of us, we will spend a significant amount of our time at our job, whatever our job is. So it needs to make sense to you. It needs to be something you love. It needs to be a field or a career path that really inspires you. Otherwise, it will not inspire you. You will burn out. You will leave. You will be unhappy and unsatisfied. And guess what, guys? You can change. You can totally change your mind, change your path. You have all the power. You really do. But I totally get it. Change is not at all easy. It is difficult. It's a huge setback. So it would be optimal if we could just pick something that would meet our needs from the get-go. But understand this, if you are making career decisions with fear guiding you, I am afraid of my work-life balance if I choose this concept, law, teaching, medicine, etc., even though I love it, you're up for failure anyway. So set yourself up for success by understanding what makes you tick, what you love, what you don't love, and what's the truth of what's important to you. For me, I really love people. I like the connections with people. I'm a doctor to take care of people. And the ER was great, and I got to take care of a lot of people. However, I wanted more. I wanted to know the story of each person, and I wanted to play a bigger long-term role. And selfishly, I really needed to know if I did the right thing or not. Did they ever get to their goal? Did they ever... Get better, whatever better means. There's a problem they came to see you for. Did you help them with that? That's something that I needed that was never going to truly exist in the emergency room. And my friends in the ER who are amazing ER physicians, man, they walk in, they take care of each person, they leave feeling very satisfied. And that wasn't me. And that was a huge part of changing to OBGYN because I love women's health And I love that you can take care of people throughout a whole problem. You can have continuity and play a bigger role in their life. I love being a fertility doctor. That means I did four years of OBGYN and a three-year fellowship in REI. It's real easy now to sit here on the backside of that three years into practice and say, I chose right. That was so easy. It wasn't so bad. I'm not going to lie. I, being an OBGYN resident is hard stuff. But I was inspired every day. I loved taking care of women. I really loved women's health. It was fueling me to play such a crucial role in their life. And guys, I love fertility. I love it. I love the endocrine system. I love our hormones. I love the science. I love the tech. I love the patients. I really love my job. But loving your job and loving your job are different things. My first job out of training was not the perfect job for me. And there's a lot of different reasons why I took that job. And we could, and we probably will do a whole podcast on that sometime, because I was not prepared for what it meant. Nobody in medical training prepared me to ask the right questions and negotiate a contract, know what to look for when it came to private practice life. And I stayed in a job with very poor work-life balance from my own choosing, I chose to stay there too long out of fear, I was afraid. And when I finally got over that and quit my job and found a new one that suited me much better, I'm night and day different. So even in a field that I loved, I was really not happy. And it's almost like you can't fully see it in the moment. You overwork to try to make yourself happy. I'm not happy, so I'm going to work harder and give more to this thing to try to make it work because I'm so afraid of what leaving means. And you're almost oblivious to how unhappy you are because you're so stuck in the hole underground, digging deeper, deeper, deeper. All that put aside, fear was a driving factor there. And I was allowing myself to be in a position That wasn't good because I didn't know what to ask for or how to ask for it or that I could ask for it. And so I'll take a brief pause and say, this episode is sponsored by Pinnacle Conference. It's really not sponsored by that, but that career transition right there was the nidus for us to start forming Pinnacle Conference. When I reached out to my friends and finally realized I can't do this anymore. Maybe I should leave medicine. I was that burnt out. And they all said, nope, you're going to leave that job. And we started the discussion where Rupa Wong said, hey, wouldn't it be great? I've always wanted to have a resource for women, a conference to talk about all the things nobody teaches us about contract negotiation, leadership, finances, how to have private practice work for you. And work-life balance will certainly be one of the things we talk about there. And Pinnacle Conference, you can go to pinnacleconference.org. It's going to be in Dallas, Texas, and it will be December 6th. That's a Friday evening, starts at 8 p.m. And it will go till Sunday morning, December 8th at 9 a.m. If you want to get on the email list, pinnacleconference.org, sign up. Those on the email list will be able to register first when it opens soon. But the point of what I'm trying to say is that Two different times in my professional life, I had really bad work-life balance, largely because the work side wasn't working for me, because I had made choices that didn't fit me. I then felt trapped into those choices and was trying to make them work by working harder, and it didn't make any sense, and I was afraid to leave. When I finally did leave and I got to the point in both circumstances where I said, you know, I've got to do what's right for me. Otherwise, why am I doing this? Why am I giving so much of my time and my energy and my effort and my soul into something that's not fitting me? And in both of these circumstances, leaving, being able to understand myself better, pick something that suited me more, it was life changing. It really re-inspired me. But to the number one question, work-life balance does not at all exist without loving your work. Make sure that it is what is sparking your fire. Don't settle for a career path that isn't the right one for you because this is your one life. And you know what? I don't care. I don't care if you're 22 or 28, 35, 42, 56, 61, whatever, however old you are. This is your one life. Why are we not doing the things that we love? So, work life balance doesn't exist without loving your work. And that is on multiple levels. One is the actual type of work you do, two is your actual day to day work. So, when I left my job to get my new job, one, my new job is amazing. I love it. All my patients who came over with me, when they see me, they're like, oh my gosh, you're so happy here. I love this office. And that means so much to me. One, to have your patients follow you is a huge honor. And it's very humbling to have them take the time to fill out paperwork and schedule appointments and find new buildings, get on a waiting list, ship their embryos over. That stuff is meaningful. That's why you do a job. But I negotiated that contract very different. I was in a position saying, you know... If I'm not happy, ain't nobody happy, and this is my one life, and I want to be a mom. I'm a mom. I have young kids, and I do not see them nearly enough. Part of the old job was really the expectations and the work-life balance and the hours were just a little bit different, and I set them really clear in my new contract. These are the hours I'm going to work. This is how many days I can work. This is the money I need to make, etc. cetera very empowering when the answer on the other end of the phone is, yep, we can do that, get you a contract next week. Very different than can I or how about, maybe we could. I was thinking, there was none of that. It was, I need this. I need this to make this work. I need this. And that's because I had learned it would be really dumb to set myself up for failure again. Meaning I just had realized that it wouldn't be worth it for me. I wouldn't be happy if all of myself was going towards my work and I couldn't carve out any other time for my family or my kids or my other interests like you guys in this podcast. That was not going to lead to personal satisfaction and I would become burnt out and unhappy yet again. So I asked for things differently with the real belief that if I couldn't make things the way I wanted them, then it wasn't right for me and I could find something else because I'm smart, amazing, powerful, wonderful, whatever. I just felt like I could do it. A side note to those of you in school or training, short-term imbalances will always exist, meaning at some point you will have to give more of yourself to the process of getting the job. And what I'm speaking to on this last point is really When you're in the job, when the training is over and this is your life, what are you tolerating and what are you putting up with? When you're in the throes of training and learning and especially in medicine, you're at the whim of your residency or your fellowship. You don't really have full control over the hours that you work or the rotations that you're doing. Make sure you love the content so that that field is worth it for you. But in a long-term fashion, when you are signing up for a job, a career, negotiating contracts, work-life balance doesn't exist if your job requires your entire life to be work. It doesn't. Remember, they've got to be one concept. You are one person. Your work and your life must all work together. But let's say you have all that figured out. My next really major point is you need help and it's okay. You do. You need help. One person cannot do it all Or do it well. And if you're listening to this episode, I presume at some point you're trying to balance your work and your life. So you don't have to be the primary person on all aspects of your life. You don't have to be the traditional stay at home mom who also cooks and cleans and does everything for the kids and has a full time job. You don't. You need a partner who is going to share a similar vision. When it comes to housework, when it comes to child care, when it comes to being a part of the life, you need to share those tasks. And if you can't, if your partner has worse work-life balance than you do, then you outsource. It's no failure to have somebody clean your house. I mean, start having somebody clean your house unless you love cleaning. It's no failure to have somebody mow the yard. Have somebody mow the yard unless you love mowing the yard. Do those things because it is money, yes. Make space for it in your budget. Unless you enjoy those things, your time is your most valuable commodity, your time. And if you're working and then you're at home, are you really dedicating some of your home time to doing some of those tasks? Are you really scrubbing toilets? Is that highly important to you, that it's taking away from the time you could be with your spouse, or with your friends, with your family, with your kids. So outsource and make it work. I'm going to stop going to Starbucks or buying food in the cafeteria so that I can afford somebody come clean my house. And instead, I will take leftovers to work or pack a lunch or brew my own coffee, all of which are cheaper, and be able to not spend my own time cleaning my house because I do not find it a good use of my time It is not satisfying or rewarding to me. That's really smart. That's how you balance it. So that the time that you're not at the job or not working, you're not spending time doing tasks you really hate more. Now, I tidy our house every night. Like, Jason could care less if the house was tidy. It just doesn't bother him. But I will go and try to put everything up and all the kids' toys up and also their little trunks and closets and compartments and make it so that we've got a nice house in the morning. Well, you know what? Most days of the week, I'm not there in the morning. Part of my schedule is I work seven to three. It's super great. Seven is I'm out of the house before the kids are up on most days, and it all falls on Jason. Now, he's amazing. He's an amazing husband and an amazing dad. He feeds the kids breakfast, gets them to school. He is the primary controller of our world at home. So if you can go find a primary controller of your world at home, life is amazing. Meaning I have no idea when the trash comes and everything gets fixed because he takes care of it and he keeps our world going, it's amazing. So if you can go find a Jason who loves you unconditionally and wants to keep your world going, that's what you should find, go find a Jason. But the reality here is that you have to have some division of labor if you are co-parenting or have a spouse, you live in a house together. He takes the kids to school in the morning. He cooks dinner in the evenings. I tidy the house. I get the kids to doctor's appointments. And I do the taxes. He does like everything else. And by do the taxes, I mean I get all the things together to send to the accountant. It's it's not that big of a deal. But we make it work. And I think the reality here is that if you have a spouse you need to be really honest if it's working or not. Not letting hostility build up because one person is doing all of the tasks and all of the household stuff and just resenting the other person. Having an unhappy marriage is not a recipe for work-life balance either, friends. So if you have an unbalance in your household, one person needs to do all the household tasks because the other person has to work more, I mean that's every medical resident I ever have met right if you're married to a non-medical spouse you guys have a really different lives or if one of you is in a much more demanding path of residency training one person can't contribute the same that's okay it doesn't have to be equal or the same to be meaningful it has to be real. It has to be open and transparent. So saying, hey, Jay, I know that I am not here as much because I work more than you do or I'm out of the house working more than you do, but what are the things you don't like or what are the things that I can do that can help the most? And if it is tidy the house, do the kids' bedtimes, set out all the things they need for the next day, I can do those things. So making sure you're having open and honest discussions with whoever you are cohabitating with is really crucial to make sure that you're not building up resentment and hostility to your number one support person. You need your number one support person. So outsource what you can and have real honest discussions about what you can and cannot do and what your cohabitant can and can't do and make a game plan What is working? Who's doing what? Don't let things sit under the radar and build up to the point where somebody's unhappy. Life is too short. This is your one life. You need to make it work. And then my last key for work-life balance is that you need to fill your life with the things that are important to you. Things being people, places, things, whatever it is, you need to fill your life with those things. So here are things that I fill my own life with. We, every Friday night, get together with our closest friends and our kids. We rotate at people's houses and we order Thai food and we drink wine. Our kids play together and we de-stress. Somebody is almost having that night every week. If you're out of town, you're out of town. But it's such a nice time to have quality time with people who we love. And that really keeps us happy and grounded. We love experiences, meaning we don't mind spending money on experiences. We buy Texas football tickets every year because one, happy wife, happy life. We'll say that Jason's the wife in that scenario, but he loves Texas football and he's loved it since the moment I met him. And having our kids experience the grandiosity of college football is really important to him. And we love watching them cheer on the band and jump up and down for touchdowns and sing the fight song. That's fun. We take them on trips. In 2019 alone, they've been to LA, New York, to the beach a couple times, to the lake. We go places with our children. We take them places. We go to the bubble light show. We go take them to Broadway shows to see the Nutcracker. We just do things with our kids because we love them and that's satisfying for us. So when it comes to money and budgeting experiences are important to us and so we will spend more money on experiences than we will on a new fence like our fence is falling apart but it just seems less than optimal for us to spend money on that right now and those are choices we're making we are choosing to fill the outer fringe of our life our time off with traveling our money on experiences and that makes us happy and this is your one life. What are the things that make you happy? I also pay for yoga membership because I love yoga and I'm just don't do it the same if I'm doing it at home. I need to be in a class where somebody is pushing me, and that is me. And Jason loves golf, so he golfs. The truth is, life's not all about money, and you can go do a lot of things that are really free and bring you a lot of joy. You can go to Barton Springs. You can go to Zilker Park. These are Austin things. But the truth is your town has them too. When it comes to your money, make sure you're spending it on the things you love. Obviously, you probably love electricity and water and your car. So those bill payments, even though they feel burdensome, hey, they're worth it because you enjoy those things. And if you don't, Why are you paying so much money for cable TV if you don't watch TV? Like, I never watch TV. That's a waste of money for me. So we should take that money and spend it to things we do really love. That's part of making your life happy, using the money and the resources you have and using your time doing the things that you love. So if we're summarizing, you can probably say that this is your life. Work-life balance really isn't a true thing if you don't find a way To make it all one, bring yourself into your job. Take pictures of your kids into your office if you can. Be you in your workplace. Make sure that it's a field or a job that you love. Make the schedule work for you. And if it doesn't, ask for something different. You are in control. Make sure that you are outsourcing what you can. Make sure that your number one support person who is cohabitating with you is happy and you guys have a good division of the basic tasks that you have to do to keep a life going. Make sure that you are spending your time doing the things you love. Budget your money so that you can afford them. Budget your time so that you can see the people that you love. And don't ever feel bad about taking off of work for your family or your friends. Meaning, take off. Go to the wedding. Take off. Go to Muffins with Mom. Take off and be the person who you want to be because it will make you happier. And everybody wants you happy. There's no point in not being happy. If you are not happy, I am so sorry. I have been there. It doesn't mean you're not happy with everything, but one truly unhappy thing, something that's not resonating with you or when you're not being true to yourself, it rocks your whole world And it prevents you from being happy on a multitude of levels. Figure out what it is and figure out why you need to change. Because that probably means you need to change. If you're depressed, burnt out, stressed, unhappy, it is okay. It will get better. You need to find a way to make sure that your priorities are your real priorities. You need to make sure that the decisions you're making are in line with who you really are and what really matters to you. And the last phase of work-life balance is that, girl, it does not exist without organization. You need to have clear goals so that you know what you're trying to accomplish. And you also need to have a plan. You need to have organizational systems. I love my Google calendar on my phone. Man, it has everything in it. We have a family one. I've got a work one. And I also have a social media one where I keep track of all the different things that I need to do, the calls, meetings, we keep track of what we have to do for the kids. It is how we organize our life. You need a way to organize your life. It doesn't have to be electronic, although I highly recommend it. It can be paper, it can be something else. I don't care. They make sure that you are speaking a common language and that you're not stressed out over not knowing what's to come. So plan your day out well know what you have to accomplish that day because it's written down somewhere in your calendar and have a to-do list. I start every day with a to-do list. Here are the things that I did not accomplish yesterday. Here are the tasks that must be done. Here are the meetings that I have to have. I bullet journal them all on a day-to-day basis, meaning I have all my calendar and activities on my phone and my appointments and meetings. And then on every day in a Moleskin, I have, okay, today is... Tuesday, July 8th or whatever. And then I'll write out, here's my time appointments and then a whole big to-do list of the things that I need to get accomplished that day. And some of them are tasks carried over that I didn't get done from before, but it keeps me really organized. So if my page is really blank, that's a great day. My day's off, you know, off is in quotation marks. It's really long. It doesn't matter, but you need an organizational system for you that works. All right, friends. Well, I'm going to end this episode. I'm going to go beyond the beach and dig sandcastles now. And I just want to say thanks so much for listening. This is the number one most requested topic is to talk about work-life balance. And I feel really passionately because I've made mistakes. I've learned from them. I'm really happy now. But it took me a long time to understand that it was okay to be true to myself and not listen to other people's expectations. And by understanding what my real goals were and the things that fuel me and inspire me and make me happy, those are the things that set me up to be where I am now. My last plug is going to be that on Monday, so this is going to air on Sunday. So on Monday, July 8th, I'm launching my 90-day goal setting workshop. And it's a workshop. It is not a huge time commitment, but I'm really asking you to dig deep inside yourself To understand what are your big goals and what are the little goals you need to accomplish along the way, and what is your plan? Like, how are you going to do that? Goals are nothing without action, and you can't achieve big things without being true to yourself. It's going to include a video and then a worksheet, like a Google Doc, that you can edit as we go. And I hope that it will be really helpful for you guys. You can go to my website, nataliecrawfordmd.com, and there is a sign-up link right there. You can click on that link in my bio on Instagram, nataliecrawfordmd. And I just want to say a huge thanks for all of you who have been listening to this, supporting me along my way. I can't believe the As a Woman podcast is on episode 25. That's amazing to me. You guys have made this possible. So thank you so much.